I am hard, but I am fair. There is no racial bigotry here. I do not look down on niggers, kites, wops, or greasers. Here you are all equally worthless. And my orders are to weed out all non-hackers who do not pack the gear to serve in my beloved corps. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. What's your name, scumbag? Sir, Private Brown, sir. Bullshit, from now on, you're Private Snowball. Do you like that name? Sir, yes, sir. Well, there's one thing that you won't like, Private Snowball. They don't serve fried chicken and watermelon on a daily basis in my mess hall. Yes, that was a clip from Full Metal Jacket, and despite being all equally worthless in the eyes of Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, it's clear that not all men are given the same treatment in the American military circa the Vietnam War. This week, we watch a film that takes that issue head-on in Spike Lee's new Netflix film, The Five Bloods. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films. You're listening to Cellcast. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Sam. You are no longer black, or brown, or yellow, or red. You are now green. You are light green or dark green. Do you understand? Sir, yes, sir! And this week, we've watched brand new Spike Lee film, The Five Bloods, which has been released on Netflix. Uh, Sam, you're going to tell us what it's all about. Four black Vietnam War veterans fly back to Vietnam to collect the remains of one of their comrades that died. They are also there to recover some CIA gold that had been meant as payment from America to the Vietnamese back in the 60s. But this is easier said than done, as they have to deal with issues lingering in the past and of the modern day. Or, as a haiku, Black Nam Vets. Gold found. Years later, they seek change. War zones everywhere. And here's a clip. You're here for the gold. Don't lie. You're going after the gold. I read all those emails. You gotta choose better passwords. One, two, three, four... Come on now, Dad. What do you want, David? An equal share for helping you find it. Helton, no. The authorities find out about this, y'all go back to the crib empty-handed. See you just a little dry-ass gangster now, huh? After everything you put me through, I'd say you're getting a basement bargain. I'm grateful. Little blacks throw this teacher nigga. You want to tell your bloods? Or should I? So Sam, I think that this Spike Lee film was about racism. Could have been. Could have been. Deep in the subtext somewhere. (laughs) Something that he's tackled before, maybe? I'm not really sure. I think this film couldn't have come at a a better time, really. Yeah, that is true. After the month after the death of George Floyd, I think The Five Bloods addresses all sorts of problems with... America's history with race, well, even like the world's history of race, really, um, and what black people have to face in the modern day as well. Yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, Spike Lee is one of the most distinctive voices in cinema about racism. Unfortunately, one of the only voices, especially while working in mainstream cinema. I think one of the most, I, I don't know if he's one of the only voices, I think, obviously, you know, the idea of a, a film tackling racism... Um, or a ho- and especially a Hollywood film tackling racism is not something uh, that is completely alien, but nobody quite tackles it like Spike Lee does. I think he sees look through a lot of the mirages about racism. There's always a distinct 
feeling of rage and anger, which I think is quite justified. I think especially if you look at recent events, uh, you know, a filmmaker like Spike Lee is is exactly uh, perhaps what's needed or is uh, at least very cathartic to see. Um, because he is a person that that sees racism and says this isn't okay and wants to expose it and doesn't always want to put you know have an ending where everybody joins hands and everything works out. Um, he wants to bring his movies as a bit of a protest. In this case, it's a it's a film about the legacy of African Americans fighting in a war uh, for a country that seems to have just an endless problem with civil rights for those same African Americans that go and die for it. Um, yeah, it's also about the legacy of war and the Vietnam War in particular, and the scars that it leaves on the people that fight it. You know, the soldiers themselves, most personified by Delroy Lindo's character, but all of them to an extent. But also, not just them, the soldiers, but also the people that they were fighting and the country of Vietnam itself. And that's almost, I think, that's what it's most successful at in the film is that it showcases not just the plight of the people that went to war but how it you know but how the vietnam war left its legacy in vietnam you know the death the destruction and in a much more tangible way the landmines and that that's something that's still uh they're still trying to get over as a as a nation today i actually remember when when me and you both visited southeast asia and it was and and vietnam and we visited a museum about landmines because it's still something that they this is it's it's a project that is taking decades and decades to clear up and spike lee uses that as part of the story yeah he does um there are three characters who come into the narrative um that are there to get rid of landmines and landmines is is part of the legacy of the vietnam war um which is obviously incredibly sad and traumatizing for for a country like vietnam i mean yeah, I think the great thing about Spike Lee, a lot of the views that we hold now, and certainly in the past few weeks with the protests, yeah, he's been saying this his whole career. He's more well-known in the American film industry. I think he's probably more of a household name over there than he compared to the people that know him in the UK. So I think it's really great that we get a film for him around this time. And as you've talked about, the issues that they cover, this isn't a film just about the Vietnam War. This is a film about what how black people suffer in America to this day. And um, actually, I think you sort of talk about Delroy Lindo's character in that. Yeah. Um, I think he was originally supposed to be played by Samuel L. Jackson, um, which was which would have been like a very sort of interesting and probably more famous casting choice. Yeah, Paul is the angriest out of the four vets who return. Um this is for a mixture of reasons, really. I mean, it's sort of a mix of PTSD, loss, guilt. And I think he feels owed. I think the sort of the vacuum within him is part of his motivation to go and collect that gold. Yeah. I think he wants it. He feels that um, in terms of people going over to the war, when, especially um, black people, when they came back to America... They were still treated as second-class citizens. Yeah. I think part of the reason that so many had been drafted was the idea that, because this was going on during the civil rights movement, they'd come back to a different America. Yeah. And actually, ultimately, a lot of parts of America had rejected those ideals of the civil rights. So it's sort of no wonder that he's still angry and um, feels that he's he's owed something by his by his country. 
Yeah, and it's an amazing showcase for him because Delroy Lindo, uh, he's been around for a while, but I haven't seen him do a role like this. I've probably seen a lot more of his more mainstream stuff, and he's always very dependable. I, I can't remember the last time I actually saw him actually have this much free reign to really like let loose with someone and he's 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 really he's he's really the 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 standout performance apart from I'd actually say Chadwick Boseman who is a bit more of a supporting role in this but I actually think Chadwick Boseman is also really notable because he's he kind of steals every scene he's in Chadwick Boseman's become a bit of an African American icon Particularly for being in Black Panther, which has been heralded as a as a as a real landmark um, superhero film for the African American community. In this film, the way he, he's the leader of the Bloods in the flashback sequences, he's a true leader. He's not true... only in terms of the way he fights, but the way he teaches um, the other Bloods about Black history, and it's the way he delivers those wisdoms and to the other Bloods and the angry rhetoric about African American. Uh, civil rights. It's another performance that's going to continue to cement him as a as a new black hero in Hollywood. But actually, that's that's all the nice stuff I have to say about *The Five Bloods*. Because actually, I think it's a massive mess of a film. Really, I think that there are some really great themes in it. Its heart is in the right place, but the the film is um, an overlong kind of jumbled up thing. I think when a film is a a mess. It's something that doesn't have a flow, and into Five Bloods' case, it, it's that there is a definitely a focus on what the film wants to be, but it goes about it in this really jumbled up way. So, so you feel like it's by really being you're being pulled off in all these different directions, and none of it feels solid. Stuff like they kind of name drop uh, famous black figures in the war. Famous black figures in American history and American popular culture. I'd actually disagree with you about that. I think when that first happened, that slightly takes you out of the story and the narrative. But um, actually, I think that feels quite genuine in terms of what the film's trying to say. They mentioned at one point the soldier Milton L. Olive, who um, received the Medal of Honor yeah. um, by jumping on a grenade and saving um, a whole group of soldiers. This is someone that I didn't know about. Um, and again, I think... Obviously, what Spike Lee's talked about a lot is the whitewashing of African-American heroes um, within war and within popular culture. Um, so I actually feel like that was like a really good way to educate people. And even though it slightly takes you out of the film, I still think there's other examples within Spike Lee films where there's this disorientating moment where even though it's not particularly glued to the narrative or the story... Uh, it still has an effect on you that after the film you sort of feel you glad you've had if you see what I mean. I do, and I, I think Spike Lee is a very accomplished filmmaker that knows how to play with some of that stuff. He he mixes up lots of different styles and different uh, techniques of presenting the film to you, and that and sometimes it can be disorientating, but yeah, in a good way. I just don't think it worked here. I think actually the, the problem was right. He he talks about these figures. And maybe there is some relevance to them, but it. But then he kind of puts the photos, like he just kind of pastes the photos, like in front of you, as if he's kind of, you know, really trying to scream in your face about these these people. But then later on, he also uses photos of some of the fictional characters in the same way. So it's like a stylistic choice to convey something about the film, and then it just 
becomes unclear why he's doing that because he's mixing up the real and the fictional so there's no kind of line between them it i just think that that's like an example of one of these choices that just felt very erratic like i think spike lee has a lot of good stuff to say but he's so impassioned he can't find a good way to say what he wants to say in this in this case he can't find a good way to to make a film he can't just find a way to like edit everything and put everything together I agree with you that um, it is maybe too long. I mean, I balked at the it's, two it's hour way forty minute long. running time. It's um, way too long, and I think there are certain scenes that we perhaps didn't need, and I think it would have still created the overall feeling. However, like I think, as someone who's a visionary in his field and someone who talks a lot about um, racism and social issues within the world, that I kind of feel like when he's making a film, he is in his own right to. Uh, Give us popular pop culture references, even though, again, like they're not that they're not particularly linked to what's going on in the story. And I think, as well, as we get towards the end of the film, the narrative slowly seeps into real life. Um, so at the end, um, a bit like with Black Klansman, actually, we get um, a reference to a political movement or a political event that's happened quite recently. And actually, I think that sort of links the the references that he uses slightly out of sync. Um, they make more sense when you get towards the end of the film. Perhaps it felt, because the film was overlong already, I think by the time you did get to that bit, I was really clock-watching. I just I just felt kind of exhausted by the whole thing. We'd, I, I, felt, I felt like we went off on too many. Um, there were too many unnecessary things. Even good bits, like I think like Delroy Lindo was good at it. We still went off on like weird tangents with some of those... With, with some of the characters. I Like, I actually would say that, in terms of the, the characters, I, I think that's part of the problem with its, uh, with, with its length. We really don't really see them develop before who they are right away. Um, and if anyone does have a path, then it's either quite obvious or it feels really, really random. Like, Delroy Lindo is amazing, but he is the rage-filled PTSD su- sufferer. And as great as the performance is, we always see him as that, and nothing else really. We don't really get very much else from him. I didn't really feel like we got much of a journey. Yeah, like he does deal to an extent with some of his guilt, but it it, it wasn't. There, there were too many unmemorable bits, like or like the character of his son. Right, his son wants to prove himself to his father, but then also is sort of hustling his father, but then sort of is scared of his father and does everything he says. It, it just feels really, really muddled, like, or kind of a waste of time. I mean, I think their relationship is very complex because they have binary views on politics and humanity. This is sort of shown a little bit when there's an incident when they get to the jungle and Paul wants to hold these people hostage. His son David is completely horrified by that. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think that probably is a good summary of what their their relationship through the whole film is like. I mean, so towards the end, their relationship ha- sort of has an equilibrium. They're these two sort of contrasting forces all the way through. And then at the end of the film, there is there is a nice ending to their ongoing struggles. I didn't really get that at all. There was a kind. There was an ending to their struggles, but I didn't really feel a sense of. I didn't really feel a sense of equilibrium. I guess we're going to get onto plot spoilers if we yeah. talk too much about what happened. That's true. Um, I think maybe, yeah, there were perhaps too many characters. 
Um, I felt like a lot of the scenes, especially in the final third, were a bit baggy just because he, Spike Lee's got so many characters that he needs to focus on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe that was probably a weak point. And I think as well, like, I don't think it would have hurt to have had some scenes in America. Like, you completely understand that maybe we could have had some understanding and context about why these people are coming back and what their home life back in America is really like. You know, there needs to be some sort of like a bigger motivation for them going over there. I mean, they are seeking fortune um, and to live, you know, comfortable lives. But we sort of just focus on them in Vietnam. And I think even like a little bit of an introduction into what their love's like, we only hear it through them. We never really see it. So again, it's that kind of idea of like, he's um, he's telling us, not exactly showing us. Yeah, I, I, I actually came out of it thinking, I would love for them to re-edit the whole thing to make it stop feeling like such a drag to make it stop feeling so baggy to make it stop feeling so self-indulgent like we have so many of these scenes in vietnam that i thought were actually just a bit of a waste of time like it's just that the whole film be it where, where the story's set or with the characters or everything it can't ever build up to anything slowly or carefully people aren't shouting all the time but Somehow, they're always at a 10. Everything is always at a 10. Like, every moment is big, and not in a good way. It's just every every moment, like... Every, like, loads of these moments actually just end up feeling really melodramatic. In a, in a really bad way. Like, 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 there's always a moment like, oh, you've secretly been a dad this whole time. Or, you, you've, you've quite always been a dad, but you've been a terrible one. And then it's arguments, arguments, joy, joy, then more secrets. And, oh, what, and then betrayal. And someone goes, oh, why is there betrayal? And, and then it never seems to want to actually craft anything organically. It always seems in such a rush and in, in, in such, like, heat to, to do everything. And, I, and, and that's the feeling I, I got from watching this and coming out of this. So that's why it ends up feeling like a mess. Because there's no flow. There's no satisfying structure. We've just got too many plates spinning way too fast all the time. And although a really good idea of what he wants to say not really focusing on on any of them in the in in a way that is actually fun to watch it actually just feels just self indulgent yeah i think towards the end of the film though we do have an idea that um a lot of the characters initially are trying to take while towards the end they're giving back i think that gives a really positive message in a way um and again to reference the ending which i don't want to spoil it pays pays homage to like a political movement um, and actually, I think that's kind of a positive way to end the film, really. It is. And, and there are all this stuff. There's, there is a really, like, like I said at the beginning, like there's a really positive message. There's some great themes. It's just watching the film is no fun because it's over two and a half hours long. And I just think it's really like poorly made without but, much focus. I think that's a bit harsh because, I mean, when you've got so many difficult social and racial issues, I think it is hard to make a streamlined film like that. I mean, it feels like Spike Lee does have a lot to say. Um, and, you know, as we've talked about, justifiably so. So I don't think you're ever going to get, like, a nice, neat, 1900-minute film from that. Then I think he should pick one. Or he should he should find out which things he wants to fit into here. It's not just about, like, cramming too much in. It's, it's how he crams it in as well. Like I say, always needing to be at a 10 with everything. There's no patience. There's no building up of anything. And I really kind of started to really feel there was 
there's something really lacking here where someone just wants to put all these bits into a film and doesn't really care how it gets in there, just wants to get it in there. But when I think back to some of his films, like Do the Right Thing on 25th Hour, they're always intense. They're always sort of difficult. and Yeah, they're intense, but there's still a structure there that's satisfying. You've, you've got different moods and different beats and different tones and, and and you've got a lot more subtle ways of telling the story. I mean, this is the, you mentioned do the right thing. I mean, that's the really painful thing about watching The Five Bloods for me. And, and to be honest, actually watching any of Spike Lee's later films because Do the Right Thing is an amazing film and one of the best films ever made about racism, maybe the best film about racism ever made, and it is still relevant today, even though it was made over 20 years ago. Maybe you could say in that film that the metaphors aren't subtle. You know, ultimately, what should protest and racial struggle look like? Should we be more like Martin Luther King or be more like Malcolm X? It leaves ideas ambiguous, where it feels like perhaps that's a, a perhaps that's a sign of the age that we live in now. That actually Spike Lee doesn't want to be ambiguous anymore, and actually is just even more pissed off than he normally is, and actually just wants to cram as much as he can into the films he makes. But I, I still think it's bad filmmaking. I think I'm doing a bit of research for this film. Like I read that in 1967, 11 percent of the U.S. population was black. Um, and 16.3% of all the draftees were African-American, which I think is just incredible, really. And I think it just shows the significance of race within the Vietnam War and the fact that essentially you had like a huge amount of um, African-American people going over there. And, and I just think that is like a really interesting way to frame the film, really, because... I don't think I think Vietnam War films have been made, but without really referencing um, the the fight and the plight of African Americans within that war, then you're not really doing it justice. Yeah, and these these are amazing things. I just I think he needs to communicate this better. I think he needs to make a better film that gets this stuff across. I guess I, just, I could forgive yeah, I mean, these ideas if I didn't have to sit through some of these some some of these scenes just went on and on and on and on and on in ways that they really didn't need to. Like I, I do feel like you get an, you get an experience which is worthy of of research and 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 it's a timely film, but it doesn't make it. I just still don't think it makes it a good but film. Being, but being subtle doesn't necessarily make it better. The fact that he's really passionate about these ideas and these issues, and the fact that the Vietnam War, like obviously, it was incredibly destructive on American society, but the way it affected so many African Americans, really. I mean, that's just a huge that's a huge disproportionate number of African Americans who went to fight in Vietnam. And actually, like, there are people, you know, like the characters, like the Five Bloods, who, you know, lost lost, lost, lost friends, lost family, and they were angry because there's this, there's this hole that, you know, is at first is kind of, like, looked upon as the, the gold bullion that they're going to go, they're going to go that for themselves. But, you know, I don't think he necessarily has to be subtle about it, and he isn't. The way he throws pop culture references, the way he gives us information about you know, black heroes from the Vietnam War, I think it's really good. And it's just it's just consistent with what he's done before, really. He's happy to make big, brash, creative decisions within his films to really give a blow, to give an impact with what he's trying to say. But he didn't need to do this in some of his earlier work. He, he found a way to tell far more compelling and clever and... And, and thought-provoking stories, not thought-provoking, because like this film is thought-provoking. But I just think like do the right thing manages to 
still be thought-provoking and also be in an amazing film that's, that's really, really engaging and that doesn't go off on tangents that feel unwarranted, that doesn't that don't feel like they're being self-indulgent and wasting your time, that don't feel like this is just another moment that he just couldn't resist putting in there, so he puts it in there, and we didn't need it, and it's taking me out of the film time after time after time, making the experience an arduous chore rather than... Did you really feel like it was an arduous chore? I did feel. I did feel that. I think I would would describe the... I would actually describe the film as as a chore. I mean, that is about ex-soldiers going back to collect millions of dollars worth of gold. They have to do this by, um, you know, being sort of slightly criminal about it. It's essentially like a treasure hunt of a film, really. And I think that's just really entertaining. The way you're making it sound, you think it's long and self-indulgent, but actually I still think it's like an entertaining adventure film. At its oh, very, at its oh, very it's core. definitely not that. It's it's not a chore. That's what I say. I think like to use a chore would be a film that doesn't really engage the audience at all. It's not really. It's trying to say something, but is essentially it's sort of done in a very dull and uninteresting way. I don't think you can ever describe a Spike Lee film as dull and uninteresting. No, I w- no, I wouldn't. I would never describe it as dull. No, but I still felt like it was a chore. Even if there were explosions and stuff in it, I, I don't think you're saying this, but I don't. I, I just don't. I feel like we're almost getting to the point where we're saying, like, it can be an important film or it can be an entertaining film, and I think it can. It doesn't. It's not binary. It can be both. I tell you what, there are some films that I think I probably could see past the form of it and actually feel like it was still something that was worth seeing, even if it was maybe a difficult film. But I. I just didn't feel that with this. I just can't pretend I actually enjoyed watching this. Well, I thought it was accessible. I thought, like, it's one of those films that's good for Netflix in that, essentially, like, it's made by um, a filmmaker, a little bit like what Scorsese did with The Irishman. Like, yeah, another film that's baggy and needed editing. But actually, like, I think it's made by a filmmaker who has some really important values and wants to, you know, really push his style within the film. And it's something that you can show people that, have no real interest in sort of racial or social history, but actually are still entertained by it. And the there are obviously a lot of like overtones of what Spike Lee is making a point of about you know what it's like for African Americans within the real world. I still think you can take lots of things from the film, even though it's not done in a streamlined way. And I think just be so dim- dismissive of it, it just feels like you've missed a lot of what he's really you know he's really pushing. Not at all. I completely but surely, get what he... Cha- surely he challenged certain views that you had or things that you... you sh- surely you were educated by the film in some way. Yeah, I think... Uh, maybe, yeah, to an extent. I think it highlighted a lot of ideas about war. I mean, but I've said this. I mean, like, I do think like it was getting across important themes. Things about war. Things about the struggle of African Americans, even though they keep fighting and keep on dying they still don't get the same treatment as white people. But I still think at the end of the day, this was a a poorly made film. I don't think what it's about justifies the way that it's made. I don't think it made... I don't think... I I didn't come out of it thinking that this was a really good experience. (sighs) Maybe I'll look back on it and and I'll think that I didn't enjoy it, but I did get something out of it. I did get like a... an idea, a theme a take on history 
and that's and that's and I guess that's worthwhile but I really I, I just I, I can't really let it off of all the sloppiness and all the bagginess I'm not sure but I mean there are so many scenes that are well executed in it whether it's the like camaraderie between the um, the four bloods who go back um, whether it's the relationship between Paul and David and how that's built even like to some regards Otis actually and his um, his qualities within the film about how he has this sort of distrust and slight paranoia of the people that he's going back with and you do get the sense of what war does to people and I think that's obviously very difficult to do if you're focusing on Vietnam veterans and you're not focusing on the war itself but I think we, we've covered lots of times like the effect that war has on people and the and the idea of PTSD has been covered lots of times in Vietnam, I don't think that's a particularly new thing, and I think the the relationship between uh, Delroy Lindo playing Paul and David, his son, is a perfect example of this. I think, as I said before, actually how David feels about his father always felt really, really unclear, and it didn't feel like we got a satisfying journey with them. I think we went from them having a a strained relationship to a hostile relationship to an uneasy alliance and then maybe a moment of okay like is that development though aren't you just talking about character development no because it just felt so random it didn't actually feel they were on an arc it just felt like they were shifting gears at random and then by the end i just didn't really think that there would there was any like resolution between those two at all like as soon as we did it did feel like they were bonding they went back to being enemies again and he and and Paul went back to being an awful human being. But and doesn't I just that thought, say a lot about Paul the character? The fact that he has been through war, the fact that he has PTSD, the fact he's so unstable, the fact that he's a Donald Trump fan, even though Donald Trump is like clearly a racist and a bigot. Yeah, he's got a hole in him that he needs to be filled. I, I agree. He's a man full of contradictions, and that's someone who's like suffered with so much. And over the course of the film, we learn more about him, and we get the idea, we get the picture of why he's turned out like this. I think that's really interesting, and that's probably my favourite performance out of it, Delroy Lindo. I mean, Delroy Lindo is a is a actor who's more famous for his films in the nineties. He just went missing in the noughties and the tens. No one really knows what's happened to him. Uh, he was in uh, Romeo Must Die. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and like he just and gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> but he comes back and he he just gives this this tour de force. Really, he gives this performance of someone of a man with mental health issues. Who, yeah, is completely inconsistent in his morals and and what he wants out of life, really. Um, I mean, he feels like something is owed to him. And I think there's plenty of reasons why it is. I mean, yeah, the fact that he had to go back and he was still he was treated worse than before he left to go to the Vietnam War. Um, the fact that, yeah, he's he's lost people like close to him. And it, it's all come because of what he did in Vietnam. And even though, again, he was drafted in there, this is not something that he particularly was for or wanted to do and there's a whole section at the beginning of the film where it talks about how yeah whether like it was fair that you know African Americans should even have been out there in the first place if while at home they were trying to fight for their own civil rights it was almost like a war on two fronts in a way I think and I just think you get that clash and contrast of not only what it was like being sort of black in the 60s and 70s but also that these struggles are still going on today and like yeah, he's, he hasn't been subtle about it. He hasn't been nuanced. But he's actually made a film that is incredibly powerful because it's just showing the injustices 
uh, that black people face on a daily basis. Yeah, I still I still agree that the like I think the themes are really worthwhile. And okay, yeah, no, I you have convinced me on Delroy Lindo's character actually that perhaps his erraticness is really all about portraying this man that's that's utterly broken by the war. Um but I still didn't enjoy the experience of watching the film. So overall, I think that The Five Bloods is a really timely film with some really great themes, but it's overlong. It's self-indulgent. I think it's poorly made, and to be perfectly honest, I don't really think it's worth your time. I, I I didn't enjoy it. I don't think this is the best Spike Lee can do. And I actually think that even though we live in tumultuous times and films like this are very relevant and very important, I think this film is a I think this film's a dud. Some really great ideas, but there's too much lacking. Yeah, I think that's really harsh, to be honest. I think um, what Spike Lee's taken on is something quite epic, really. He's making a war film, but including in it social and racial injustices that not only were there in the 60s and 70s, but are now here, like, very much in the modern day, and nothing's been done about it. He's one of the best polemical filmmakers. And I think he makes films that make people angry, and they want to go and be a positive change in the world. Um, And I think that's really good. And I think from watching The Five Bloods, as you've said, even though it's a bit baggy, even though it needs to be shortened and edited, I think there are really good strands. I think um, not all of the story arcs work. I don't think all the characters are believable, but I don't think it needs to be because I think the overall tone and the feeling of the film really had an impact with me. And I think it's definitely worth seeing, even though you know it's going to be two hours and 40 minutes of your time. We've been dying for this country from the very get And The Five Bloods is available on Netflix right now. So, if you like this, then you should watch Dead Presidents from 1995. It's the story of Anthony, played by Lorenz Tate, a working-class African-American growing up in the Bronx in 1969. He signs up to the Marines and fights in Vietnam, only to return home to a tough life marred by PTSD. With the help of some old friends, they hatch a plan to rob a bank truck in order to build a better life for themselves. Now you're going to play this Marine War hero. You know what I think? I think y'all was some goddamn fools going over there fighting that white man's war. That's right. What you got when you get back here, huh? Not a goddamn thing. Dead Presidents makes an interesting accompaniment to The Five Bloods, as it was made during the same time Spike Lee was becoming a household name, and during a time when African Americans were starting to make a unique mark on film, music, and the media in general. Dead Presidents is directed by Menace to Society's Hughes Brothers, so it's interesting to contrast two films made on similar subjects at two different but equally radical times for the African American community. It contains a soundtrack of the period it's set in, and ultimately focuses on a heist similar to The Five Bloods. But to be honest, it's dated horribly. A lot of the techniques and the script feel wooden and on the nose, with very little flair. I probably enjoyed The Five Bloods more than I enjoyed Dead Presidents. It's simply not very good. But if you want to understand the African-American experience of war, particularly Vietnam, and the injustices that came out of it, before The Five Bloods, Dead Presidents was, as far as I can see, the only other thing that you could watch. 
if you have not just an interest in the subject matter, but also a love of a 60s soundtrack, and maybe a bit of nostalgia for the wave of 90s African-American crime films, then this is worth checking out, and maybe you'll see something in it that I didn't. Yeah, I thought the bank heist was the weakest part of Dead Presidents. Yeah. While in The Five Bloods, I think the idea of going to get the gold bullion is the motivation behind the story. When the characters get back to New York and they try this heist, that's when the film's quality gets worse. I think there's a consistent tone with The Five Bloods, which there isn't in Dead Presidents. And that's kind of shown with the fact that, uh, yeah, when you get that second part of the film, then, yeah, it's just not not very good. And um, I was sort of just begging for it to end. Maybe I should have just recommended the Vietnam bit from Dead Presidents. But then you wouldn't really get the context. I mean, the whole thing is about, like, coming home and being let down by your country just because of the colour of your skin. And that really fits in with with, uh, The Five Bloods. Yeah, that's true. And if you didn't like it, then you should watch Kelly's Heroes from 1970. It's the final days of World War II, and Private Kelly, played by Clint Eastwood, is on the front line in German-occupied France, and thoroughly jaded with the state of the war. He gets wind of a huge amount of Nazi gold being held in a bank 30 miles behind enemy lines, and recruiting a group of opportunistic soldiers, they set out to steal it for themselves. Kelly! What the hell are you doing here? Looking after the colonel, that's what. Shoot him and let's get the hell out of here! Shoot him, we don't get the gold. What gold? If you whisper one word about the gold to these guys, I'm going to have you bounce from this outfit so fast your feet won't even touch the ground. I struggle with The Five Bloods as it might have an important focus, but it's overlong and overindulgent, stretching out on lots of different pathways that don't work. Kelly's Heroes is also a film about soldiers stealing gold, and it has a large cast, but there isn't any wasted time. It has a pace that builds up throughout the narrative and a satisfying, funny conclusion. But the strength of The Five Bloods is of course the themes, and Kelly's Heroes doesn't deal with race, but it does deal with war, albeit in a different way. World War II is hallowed ground for many, and it's hard not to imagine that movies had a hand in this. So why is it that so many of these classic war films seem to be so against war, or in Kelly's Heroes' case, satirising and mocking it? The film opens on the Allies' push, having grinded to a halt amongst incompetency from a bureaucratic upper command. When Kelly and his men start their plot, word reaches the Major General in charge of this command and he's desperate to pin medals on the quote-unquote heroes. They've broken through in days what the rest of the Allies couldn't do in months. Little does the General know it's for selfish personal gain. Kelly's Heroes is a satire on war and the people that run it. It's executed with wit and humour, a tone very different from To Five Bloods and thankfully so, it would probably be inappropriate if it had it. If you want a critique of war cut from a completely different cloth to The Five Bloods, then check out this surprisingly subversive classic. Yeah, I haven't seen Kelly's Heroes, but the way that you sort of make it sound much more subversive than I thought it was going to be does make me want to see it. It's really worth seeing. I think it's particularly that's the thing that kind of surprised me about it. And I think maybe a lot of those old classic war films could do with a, a second look, something that we don't have time to do right now. I mean, I mean, Kelly's Heroes was made in 1970, so the anti-war feeling would have been there amongst the populace, but I'm actually kind of surprised that it isn't more controversial. I mean, although all the soldiers are really likeable, and the idea of, like, taking the piss out of the brass isn't completely unheard of, it is essentially making fun of World War II. The, the, the one other thing it has a link with, with The Five Bloods, uh, this wonderful 
scene-stealing performance from Donald Sutherland as this anachronistic, far-out tank commander called Sergeant Oddball, who says stuff like, don't hit me with those negative waves, man, so early in the morning. You know, he's a he's a beatnik and a hippie from the 60s that seems to, for some reason, be running a, a tank unit in World War Two, And it's like a, quite a funny nod, I think, to the uh, the time that the film was made rather than actually World War Two. Yeah, he sounds brilliant. And I like to think of people who are going to see it for the ensemble cast and the fact that it's a war film and they come away with this really great, unique, subversive take on war and what it actually stands for. Why don't you knock it off with them negative waves? Why don't you dig how beautiful it is out here? Why don't you say something righteous and hopeful for a change? Thank you so much for listening to Cellcast. You can find and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as Cellcast. And come follow us on Twitter at Cell Magazine and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Cell Magazine.